0: That uh, this book is inexhaustible. It cannot you? You'll never. You'll never outdo it. You'll never uh, master it. You'll never uh, wear it out. It is a book that is uh, living. It's a living word. Amen. And I'm so thankful that God has left us uh, with His perfect, inspired, infallible, inerrant. Word of God, and we're so thankful for that tonight. Luke chapter number 16, again, we are dealing with the subject of dispensational salvation. And uh, what, what the whole is, if you want to say it that way, is we are looking, uh, we have been laying a foundation now the last two times, and we'll continue upon that tonight and hopefully get into some of it, uh, of the meat of it, if you will. But we are looking at... How things throughout the Bible that are different are not the same. And so I want us to be able to take our Bible and do exactly what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. Everybody should be able to quote that verse by now. The body's the, the body. The Bible says, study, the Bible and study, the body. Uh, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we understand. That there are divisions to be made within the Word of God. Uh, I've said this a thousand times. I was brought up this way. I was trained this way from a little bitty boy, as far as back as I can remember, uh, to know this. When reading your Bible, all of the Word of God is for you, but it is not all to you. Right. And if you don't understand that, then you are uh, headed for trouble somewhere down the line. Whether in personal devotion or personal study, you'll read something somewhere and say, well now wait a minute, I remember reading it like this somewhere else. Uh, but you've got to understand, you've got to make those divisions. And you've got to understand that the whole Bible is not to you. It right. is all for you in application Uh, You can take any story you want to from the Old Testament, any scripture, you can look at the temple, you can look at the the priest, you can look at the sacrifice, you can look at the prophets, you can look at the wicked men, it don't matter. You can can find something to apply to your life and learn from it, but it does not mean that it is to you doctrinally. And so we're making those divisions and one of those uh, dispensational divisions to be made is dispensational salvation. And so, we left off, as uh, far as I know, last, last Wednesday, we got to talking about uh, how those Old Testament saints, when they died, they did not die and go to heaven. They went to a place called Abraham's bosom, and Abraham's bosom is in the same place hell is, according to Luke 16 that we're going to read. It is just divided by a gulf, and, um, and so, those Old Testament saints... Uh, they could not name and claim to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. That was not so. But why? Because things that are different are, and it was not the same. The Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ had not came, died, resurrected. The gospel was uh, a foretold event, uh, had not taken place yet. And so when Jesus died on the cross for three days and three nights, the Bible said that uh, he preached two messages, he preached uh, captivity to the captive, and he preached condemnation to those which were in hell, and we looked at some other scriptures as to why and how, I think Sister Christina wanted to know uh, why they went to hell, well, because just like the Bible said, uh, he was long suffering with those men, and it least Noah, and the example of Noah, in the days of Noah, but they wouldn't heed, and so they could have been saved, uh, by the by the flood but they died because they rejected god's man his message and get in the boat And so the bible said there's only eight saved and the other ones so they went to hell and so so again That's not why we go to hell um, And 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 we're not we're not basing our Eternity upon whether or not we get in a physical boat But you better make sure that you get on the old ship of Zion uh, And you believe and put your faith and trust in the lord jesus For uh, the payment of your sin And the atonement made And uh, if you'll do that Repent your sin Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ The Bible said Thou shalt be saved And so let's pick back up here In Luke chapter number 16 And um, we'll look at Abraham's bosom Look in verse number 22 The Bible said It came to pass That the beggar died And was carried By the angels Into Abraham's bosom The rich man also died And was buried And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, thou would send him to my father's house, five brethren, so on and so forth. And so we understand. So at this at this moment in time the rich man. Uh, and Abraham uh, are conversating, they are conversing, I guess would be the proper word. And one of them's in hell, that's the rich man, and of course Abraham's in Abraham's bosom, which is not heaven, uh, it is paradise, Abraham's bosom, and it's located in the heart of the earth. Uh, it's not, it wasn't another heaven below the one up in the sky, It was in the, it's in the heart of the earth. And that's why when Jesus died during those three days, He preached to those captives. Who were those captives? Those in Abraham's bosom. And then the Bible also said, I believe it's 1 Peter or 2 Peter, I'd have to go back and look, that he preached preached to the spirits in prison. So he preached to those Old Testament saints, if you will, that died and went to Abraham's bosom. But he also preached to those in hell. He preached condemnation to those in hell. And he preached uh, liberty, or the captive can be set free in Abraham's bosom. And so, uh, what a lot of men will do is say, well, right there, that proves salvation is the same. But again, uh, it's not. And here's why. Uh, Yes, in the Old Testament, we're going to look. They had to have faith. Yes, there was a measure of grace in the Old Testament. All that's there. But we do not go to Abraham's bosom. We don't believe on the gospel once we're in paradise. We believe now. And if we die now in rejection of God... Or in belief and faith in God, we don't go to paradise. We either go to heaven or to hell. And so you cannot say that it's all the same because it's not. It is different. And the, and we're going to look at some terms tonight. The righteousness. How are, we going to, how are we going to look and evaluate the righteousness of the Old Testament saints in light of salvation to our righteousness? It's completely, utterly, totally opposite and different and so that's what we're going to look at uh, tonight all right so jesus preaches the cross to those in abraham's bosom preaches condemnation to those in hell during those three days and three nights that his body lay in the grave and this is uh, the verse. I have it right here. I did that last week too. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible said, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient. Notice that. Can I say tonight, disobedience does not send anyone to hell in this dispensation. Right. Does everybody understand that? Did you know being a drunk will not send you to hell? It's not what does it. Being a fornicator does not send you to hell. Now it's sin, and all sinners go to hell, but that's not what condemns a man to hell. It's not disobedience. It's not keeping the law. It's not none of those things. It's rejecting the gospel. That's why you go to hell. It's the sin of unbelief. All right? So it said, which were some uh, disobedient, which once the long-suffering of God, waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. So, in other words, even those who were quote-unquote saved in the Old Testament, they were not saved like we are, uh, straight into heaven. Their, Their name's not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, but they were saved without perfection. Is everybody following me? In other words, their sins had not been washed away until Jesus died on the cross and they had to trust and believe in Abraham's bosom on the gospel in order to go from Abraham's bosom into heaven. Okay. So we're going to look at this. All right. Turn with me tonight uh, to the book of Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number twelve, and I'm going to show you a few verses here, and then we'll we'll continue to go uh, and layer this thing up to where you can get a better understanding of dispensational salvation. Hebrews chapter number twelve, and uh, look in verse number uh, twenty-two. Hebrews 12, 22. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Now, now hold on to these words. To God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. What do we see here? Well, we understand again that those men in the Old Testament, their souls were not made perfect. Until after Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. Alright? And again, most are going to say, see right there, it's, then it has to be the same. But you've got to look at the process. Let's go back and, and evaluate. What does the word dispensation, what is the root word of that word? Dispense. Dispense. And so what God does, He dispenses His revelation progressively. It's all bringing us up to Calvary. It's all bringing us up to the Lamb. John said, Behold, the Lamb. We see a Lamb. We see the Lambs in the Old Testament. But we never see the Lamb until John chapter 1 verse 29 when he's baptizing uh, for remission of sins. And says, There's coming one mightier than I whose shoes I'm unworthy to unloose. And, uh, and here he comes, John 1, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. Then again, he says it again, just a few verses later, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So only the blood of the Lord Jesus can make just men perfect. So we see this in verse 23, The Bible said To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Again, what are we looking at? We are looking at dispensational salvation. We are looking that God done things differently throughout the course of the Word of God leading up to the dispensation that we are. And guess what? It will change again. Those tribulation saints are not getting in the same way we did. I know good preachers. I know I've got good friends. I I love them dearly. I'm not going to break fellowship over it as kindly as I know how to say it, but they're wrong. They say, no, it's going to be the same. No, it's not going to be the same in the tribulation. They're going to have to endure to the end and they're going to have to lose their heads. Now, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it is not the same because things that are different are. All right. And so we look, and and I'm not going to go through all this because I've already preached a message on it, but uh, we look at, when we look at Jesus' blood and the way He shed His blood, uh, of course it was the atonement of our sin, the saving of our soul. Of course we understand their spiritual circumcision takes place at this dispensation where the Holy Spirit will cut away a man's soul from his flesh Your flesh is not saved. That's why you're at war every day. That's why the Bible says that you need to walk in the Spirit, that you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, The lust of your flesh and all that has to do with your flesh is God-hater. It's God-disobeyer. It's anti-God everything. But we can go to heaven, and the Bible says that we are without sin. Now, how can that statement be made when we know ourselves that this person that we live with every day is not without sin because God saved the inward man? He did not save the soul, and so when God look, or excuse me, He did not save the flesh. So when God looks at your soul, uh, He sees His only begotten Son, right. and therefore you are sinless in the sight of God once you've been covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. All right, and so we're going to look at a few things concerning this righteousness, just men, and righteousness and perfection. Okay, uh, let's go back to the book of Luke quickly tonight. Luke chapter number one. And I'll show you a few things here, and then we'll we'll go back to the Old Testament and look at a few things there. And we'll just take our time and try to uh, teach this in such a way that you can hold on to it and comprehend it. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to spew out a bunch of information, and you go home scratching your head saying, What in the world did he talk about tonight? I don't want to do that. So let's look in Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. Look at verse number five. Luke chapter number one verse number five. You there? Say amen. The Bible said there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was the daughters daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they and they were both righteous before God. Now let's pay attention, Karma. walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. What's the last word? Blameless. Blameless. So the Bible makes a statement that these two folks here are righteous before God, but then it explains how they were righteous before God. Why were they righteous? Can anybody tell me? We just read it. That's right. They walked before God. They were blameless when it comes to keeping the commandments, the ordinance of God. They They were obedient. They did what they were supposed to do. They were keepers of the ordinances. They were keepers of the law. They were blameless. It means, in other words, they, they lived a good life. They did the right works. They were faithful in their obedience to God. Therefore, they were called righteous. Now, let me ask you a question. If you never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come to your heart, forgive your sin, and be your Savior... And you've never repented of your sin, but you, you, you live your life and in your own eyes you are blameless. It may be even in the eyes of God, you're blameless concerning that law. Do you go to heaven? Why? Well, because things that are different are. It shifted. It shifted. That's exactly right. Jesus fulfilled, conquered, done away with, kicked the butt of the law. Can I get a witness, somebody? I know it's Wednesday night we're teaching, but amen goes right there. He took care of business concerning the law. You know the law has never converted nobody. It didn't convert. You say, right there. right? Yeah, but they still didn't go to heaven when they died. They went to Abraham's bosom. The law does nothing but condemn because we're all breakers of the law. The Bible said if you're guilty at one point, you're guilty at all. Well, we're guilty. We're guilty, okay? So, they were blameless walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord. Now listen, our righteousness does not come from keeping the law, nor living blameless before God. Our righteousness comes, listen right here, from God in Christ. Our righteousness comes from God in Christ. Where's that at? Well, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll show it to you. Second Corinthians chapter number 5. And so here's what you've got. You've still got a bunch of work salvation out there to this very day. And they're going to tell you, now if you did that, then you you ain't going to heaven. You know what they're doing. They're putting you under the law. How many how many good Christian, godly, God-loving, praying people do you know, but they think that we're a bunch of easy believism, believism grace abusers, and they think that we just because we believe in grace that we abuse it and live like the devil and we all just do what we want. That's, and we're going to heaven. We don't believe that. No. We don't believe that. But I do believe that once you're saved, you can do anything yeah. and you still go to heaven. Right. I just don't say how that's possible. Well, because we're not under the law. God condemned the law. Our righteousness is not in what we do good or how we keep the ordinances or how we follow the commandments or how blameless we are. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, what's the Bible say about us? That all of our righteousness is as what? So, things that are different. So, you cannot compare apples and oranges. All right, look at 2 Corinthians 5. Look with me in verse 21. The Bible said, For he hath made him, speaking of Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made, what? Of God in yeah. him. So it has nothing, in this dispensation, it has nothing to do with how righteous you live it has everything to do whether or not you have placed your faith and confidence and belief in His righteousness and what He's done in His life and His death and His burial, His resurrection. Our righteousness in God comes from Christ in this dispensation. They might have been counted righteous in the Old Testament and in another dispensation based upon how well they lived, if they were blameless, if they kept the law. But even that righteousness did not take them to heaven. Does everybody understand? It took them to Abraham's bosom. And so that's another thats another really good thing that you need to know when it comes to eternal security. Well, you people just believe you just pray and get saved and do whatever you want. No, we don't believe that. But I do believe that a man in his flesh, because how many of y'all know this flesh don't get saved? Even to those who act like their flesh did, they're seeing just like you do. All right? They, they might paint a good picture. But they're sinners, just like you, because they're in the same flesh you're in, and so we can draw the line here, well, okay, yes, I did break this law, and yes, I was unrighteous right here, but my righteousness is not in how I keep the law or how I walk or if I'm blameless or if I'm good or if I'm faithful, and I think you should be all those things, because the law is a schoolmaster of for grace, and you ought to you ought to try to live according to. The word of God. We still believe in sanctification, separation, spirituality. I mean, we believe in that, but that does not—that is not what our salvation hinges upon. It, it hinges upon Him. All right. So let me say this: No man is in the body of Christ in the Old Testament or under the law. Okay. Uh, in the New Testament, prior to the cross, salvation was dispensed differently, and that's of course where the word dispensation comes. It is dispensed. It's progressive revelation. We are looking at this through and by the Scriptures. This is a big one. I really like this one. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. For somebody, Brother Chris, to say that those Old Testament saints were as righteous as we are, and that's what you get if you believe salvation is the same in all dispensations. Then we just read where Elizabeth's righteousness was based upon her keeping the ordinances and the law and being blameless. So what you're saying is, if you believe it's all the same and the righteousness is all the same... What you're saying is those Old Testament saints, in their own walk, their own perfection, if you will, their life's goal of keeping the law is just as righteous as the Lord Jesus Christ is. That's what you say. Yeah. So I'm going to show you how their righteousness came about. What we just read in 2 Corinthians, our righteousness comes by God and it's placed in Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 34, 2 Chronicles 29, 34. 2 Chronicles 29.34. If you're there, say amen. Now, if I'm going too fast or you need to ask something or get a verse, or you're you're allowed to raise your hand and and that's why we're doing this, okay? So don't feel like you're interrupting me. You're not interrupting. We're having a Bible study. 2 Chronicles 29.34. Uh, Here's what the Bible says. But the priests were too few so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore, their brethren, the Levites, did help them till the work was ended and until the other priest had sanctified themselves. For the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priests. We find three major mentions here you need to grab a hold of. The first thing we see is the other priest sanctified themselves. Does everybody see that? They sanctified themselves. Any of y'all got the ability to do that? The next thing we see is this. And I love this phrase. We're going to run it out. We're going to run this phrase down. We're going to chase it like a coon dog on a good, cool, crisp October night. All right? Look here. They sanctified themselves. Notice this. For the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priest. Does everybody see that? They're more upright in heart. So this is the first time that this phrase occurs in the King James Bible: upright in heart. Let me ask you, and, and you can you can respond. Uh, I hope somebody will. What does what do you think that means? That term, that phrase, upright in heart. What what does that mean? Pure. Sure. Anybody else? If such and such, this Levite, is more upright in heart than the priest, what do you think that means? I only got one of you. Thank you, Brother Chris. Following the law. law. Upright in heart. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. This is the first time it's mentioned. Alright, so you've been around here any length of time, you know that those first mentions are very important. Okay? The law of first mention. That's what this means. So the first time you find something in the Bible, in this, in this particular instance, it's the phrase upright in heart. It's the first time it occurs. What does upright in heart do? They were more upright in heart to what? It, de- it defines itself. So you know what the term, the phrase upright in heart will mean now throughout the rest of the Scriptures? Self-sanctification. That's, that's the importance of knowing the law of first mention. When you find the law, the, the first time something appears, it will carry that, that definition, that meaning, that application, however you want to call it. It will carry that all the way through the Scriptures. So now, any time we read that phrase, Upright in heart It will It will literally mean Self Sanctified Now You will find it Several places in the Old Testament But guess what You will not find In the New Testament You will not find the phrase Upright in heart Because things Changed There was no more Self sanctification After Jesus Dies on the cross There's no more Being blameless And keeping the ordinances and fulfilling the law and doing all that and dying and going to Abraham's bosom, that's done away with at Calvary. Alright? So, let's look at this. Let's chase this phrase down. Go with me to the book of Psalm, chapter number 7. Psalms, chapter number 7. We'll look at this thing in its entirety. And try to define it, explain it, understand it, teach it to where everybody knows the next time they read that, what they're reading. Psalm chapter number 7. Yes. Look at, at, we'll start at verse 8. Psalm chapter 7 verse 8. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness. Hmm. I ain't praying that prayer. Right? I'm gonna be flat honest with you. Judge me, Lord, according to my righteousness. He got dead. On spot. Judge me according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is within me. I ain't praying that prayer either. Verse 9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked one, uh, excuse me, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. Notice this for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. And we agree with that. But look at verse 10. My defense is of God which saveth. What is the upright in heart? Self sanctification. That's why he's saying, Lord, judge my righteousness. You know why he's saying this? He's saying, look, I know I made mistakes, but Lord, I am a man after God's own heart. And I, 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 at this point right now, Lord, I'm blamed. Let's, let's look at my righteousness. He's self-sanctified according to the works, the law, the deeds, good things, all those. You, however you want to put it. Being blameless before God. Trying to be honest and repentive, and crying and, 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 and confessing his sin. David does all these things. And so he's at peace. He said, my defense is of God which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous. And God is angry with the wicked every day. So if we're going to understand what David's saying here, we have to go back to the law first mentioned where we find in Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 34, the upright in heart, self-sanctif- self-sanctification, or to be self-sanctified, or to be blameless, or to keep the ordinances, the statutes, the law, so on and so forth. Okay? So does everybody see that? Now, why would none of us go home tonight and pray the prayer... That he prays in verse 8, Lord, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness. Lord, judge me according to my integrity. Because you know what the New Testament tells us? There ain't nothing good on the inside of us. Our heart's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Out Out of the heart are all the issues of life. I mean, listen, everything shifts. Because God has to place the emphasis on perfection of the saints. You know what David was not when He died. His soul, it was not perfected. Now his self-sanctification would have landed him in Abraham's bosom, but it did not take him to heaven. And our self-sanctification will take us only to hell. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through and by the righteousness of God in, in Christ. You've got to understand that. Let's go to Psalm chapter 11. So to tell somebody that salvation is the same is to say that David being a self-sanctifier or the Levites or the priests who were keepers of the law, self-sanctifiers are as righteous and holy and imperfect as Jesus Christ. Because that is the only righteousness that takes a man to heaven and saves his soul is the righteousness of God in Christ. So to say it's all the same is to say... We we really didn't have a need for Jesus. We could just do what they done. Keep the law. But it didn't take them to heaven. It took them to Abraham's bosom. Look at Psalm chapter 11. Look at verse 1. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the who. What is the psalmist saying here? This is psalmist David. He's saying the wicked men are chasing after those who are doing right in the sight of God. The upright in heart. The self-sanctified. Does everybody understand? We can't say that we can't... Now listen, again, there's applications to be made. We could take this, if I were to preach this psalm, I could go to verse 2 and say, For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, they may privilege shoot the upright in heart. Here's where I would go with that. I would go to the fiery darts of the devil. Everybody see the application that could be made. Here it's, it's literal wicked men. Hello, has anybody read The Life of David? There's all kinds of people trying to kill that man. And they hated him because God did have his favor on him. Hello? Why did Saul get jealous? Because God used David to do something Saul wasn't man enough to do with a sling and a rock. Yeah, right. It was the favor of God. It was because David was upright in heart. It was because he was out there in the fields playing on a harp and the presence of the Lord would come and the evil presence would flee. That The, the, the wicked hated him. But we can't sit there and say, well, the wicked hate me because I'm, I'm upright in heart. No, we can make an application. The devil, the world, they hate us because of what God has done in us then and, and Jesus said they hated me, they'll hate you. So again, there's an application there, but that's not really for us or to us. It's we could we can apply it for our lives, but it's not to us because we know the definition of upright in heart, which is self sanctification. Look at Psalm thirty two. Is everybody understanding what I'm trying to say tonight? Amen. Well, not necessarily what I'm saying, what, I, what the Word of God says. And even when it talks about trusting in the Lord, concerning this, those Old Testament saints, listen, they didn't trust in Him like we trust in Him. Two different things. Look with me and uh, at verse number 10, Psalm thirty-two ten. The Bible said, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Now, we can apply that, can't we? We can apply that, but look what it's talking about in this text. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Now, there's going to be a lot of preachers that would say that's talking about us, but it's not. There's an application to be made. Okay? Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, we've done that differently, but we've done that. Mercy shall compass him about. Absolutely. It sure has and, it's, and it continues to because his mercies are new every day. Be glad in the Lord. You should be. And rejoice, ye righteous. We are righteous. How? In Christ. In Christ. Okay. And shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Self sanctify. I keep saying that wrong. Self sanctifiers or self sanctification. Let's go to Psalm 36. Just for good repetitious sake, things that are different are. Look at verse 7. This is where we'll go back to. This one right here is a humdinger to explain what I'm trying to teach tonight. Psalm 36, look at verse 7. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. And in thy light shall we see light. Notice this. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee. And thy righteousness to thee upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me. Let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. So. Here's what we find in Psalm 36. Notice what the psalmist says, the psalmist David, concerning the transgression of the wicked and, and the war between right and wrong, if you will. But in verse number 10, he says, Continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Or those who are... Keepers of the law, those who are living blameless, those who are keeping the ordinances and the statutes and trying to live a clean, godly, favorable life in your sight. He says, continue thy loving kindness unto them and thy righteousness to them that are are upright in heart. Now let me tell you what God does not do in this dispensation. This is not something we have to go to and ask for every single day. You can, but you don't have to ask for it. Because it is continual. Does everybody, follow me. What did not take place in the Old Testament was the continuation of God's loving kindness and mercy and grace. And oh no, children of Israel, prime example. God bless them. Put His hand on them. They get stupid. He's ready to kill them. Now, why does why does God allow the things He allows? Why why are there so many God hating, God cussing, God blaspheming? Devils out of hell still walking and breathing the same air you and me are. He's loving and kind. He's long-suffering. His loving kindness never runs out. And it's not a prayer that we have to pray for. God, give it to me today, Lord. I'm gonna do good today. I, I didn't do some good yesterday and you killed my dog. So today, Lord, I'm gonna I'm really gonna step my game up and try to be blameless. And so if you could, Lord, continue that. We don't pray that way. We don't have to pray that the Bible said. Every day, His mercies are new. And they're granted. And the Bible said, Daily He loadeth us with His benefits. And so, this upright in heart, self-sanctification, it's different. It's just different. Look at Psalm 64. We'll go back to Psalm 36 here in a little bit. If I have time. Psalm 64. Verse 10, Psalm 64, verse 10. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him and all the upright in heart shall glory. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him and all the upright in heart shall glory. Notice what it's made a reference to, the righteous. Did everybody see that? The righteous shall be glad. So what is that talking about? Is that talking about me and you and our righteousness? It's talking about those who were upright in heart. That's how they were counted for righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed God. He obeyed God. And that's why he was righteous. Can I, can I tell you, obeying God don't make you righteous. You should, but it's not enough. You can, you can do everything He tells you to do. If you've never been saved and went to Calvary, you're going to hell. And there's a whole bunch of people that we know and love that they are counting on. They probably live better Christian lives than than we do. But if they've never been born again, they will die and go to hell. Because that upright in heart, that that, self-sanctification, that righteousness that was imputed to them Old Testament saints through their works and through their deeds is not imputed to us the same way. His righteousness is only imputed unto us through and by His Son, Jesus Christ. Okay? Look in Psalm 94. 94. Psalm 94. Let's start in verse number uh, eleven, Psalm ninety four eleven. If you there, say amen. amen. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom Thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of Thy law, that Thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. And uh, verse 14 for the Lord will not cast off his people neither will he forsake his inheritance but judgment shall return unto righteousness and all the upright in heart shall but judgment shall return unto righteousness and all the upright in heart all those self sanctification here we go again sanctification self sanctifiers (laughs) The upright heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity unless the Lord had been my help my soul had almost dwell in silence. When I said my foot slippeth thy mercy O Lord held me up and the multitude of my thoughts within me. Thy comforts delight my soul shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee which frame is mischief by law. They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. And we don't disagree with any of that. But again, you've got to look at the context. Verse 23, And He shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. So again, there's a, there's a line being drawn between the wicked and the righteous. But what is the righteous? What, who are the righteous? Ta- who's this talking about? Those who are an upright in heart which are those who self-sanctified, lived a good life. They were blameless. Works. Faith, yes. Somebody said, well, there's always been faith. Yes, there was. I mean, and we'll look in, general. there's 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 two mentions of faith. One, you'll find faith without works is dead. And then you find uh, faith alone. So what's contradiction there? Does the Bible contradict? No. we got to see, we've got to make that division. Who? Is God dealing with when He says what He says? Let's look in Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Look at verse 10. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of His saints, He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous. Light is sown for who? And gladness for thee. You see how they always hold hands? Rejoice in the Lord, ye. Give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. So this righteousness, again, is not the same as you and I receive. This is not righteousness in God or by God in Christ. This is those who are upright in heart. It's those that... that Lived a life, try to, to listen and have faith and do good and all those things, okay? Look at Psalm 111. I'm just showing you how it's carried the same meaning all throughout the Scripture. Does everybody see that? It was, it was righteousness. Upright in heart was self-righteousness, self-sanctification. Those Levites were more sanctified than the priest who sanctified themselves. Okay, Psalms 111. Praise ye the Lord, verse 1. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of and in the congregation. Let me tell you what we can't claim here tonight. In our own righteousness, we cannot claim that we are the assembly of the upright. Because we're not. Now, in the same breath, we can, we can say, hey, this is the body of Christ. Spotless. Sure. How can you say one and not say the other? Well, you, you could say the other, but you'd be out of context. Yeah. Right. Because God don't call us. Nothing Nothing is ever said in the New Testament about being upright in heart. Nothing. Matter of fact, every time God mentions the heart of man, the New Testament he condemns it. Yeah. Every time. And let you know that the only righteousness that you and me will ever find is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Look in Proverbs chapter 11. Is everybody all right? We just got a few more minutes, we'll be done for tonight. Proverbs chapter 11. Look at verse 16. Proverbs eleven sixteen. 16. The Bible said, A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness... See that? Shall be a sure reward. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord. But such as are upright in their way are his delight. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished. But the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Does everybody see that this is not talking about salvation for you and me? Okay. Sowing righteousness. We can't sow no righteousness. Alright, God's going to try our works. Yeah, by fire, whether it be gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. I get that. But those works are going to be tried as a reward, not for righteousness. God's not going to bring up your works and say, let's see how righteous you were. You know what he's going to say when he looks at your name? Righteous. There's no question about your righteousness. Your works that, that are going to be tried. By the way, it's not sin. I lived so many years. and I'm not blaming my preacher. He probably taught it right. I was just so young I didn't comprehend it. I lived for years scared to death of what I was going to tell God about my sins. I remember it. I'd mess up as a boy. I'd sin. and I i mean, I would torment myself. Oh, God, what am I going to say now? I used to sit and think, I'm going to stand before God and what am I going to tell Him why I did this? It was a good day when the light come on and I realized I don't have to do that. He, he gave an account for my sin. Amen. And, and the only thing going to be judged is our works. And we're going to see whether or not we lived a life that was pleasing to God. If we have anything to remain, anything to show, and all that's for is just to throw right back at His feet. You don't get a trophy shelf in your mansion, all right? Sorry to bust your bubble. You're throwing all of that right back to Him. And it's not your righteousness. It's His. And so when He looks down the list on the, in the Lamb's Book of Life, besides your name, it'll say righteous and he can go over to the mercy seat and see that the blood was shed and your name was in, went into that and the blood covered your sin, washed you as white as snow. And that's, that's, that's how that works in this dispensation. But here, there's a prayer prayed about the sowing righteousness. There'll be a sure reward. And then it talks about this. Those upright that are in their way are his delight. And it said this. Um, and the seed of the righteousness shall be. Can I say, if something shall be, guess what? It ain't. It ain't. If it shall be, it ain't. Does everybody understand redneck vernacular? I'm trying to teach best to know how. If something shall be, that means it ain't been. And so when this is being pinned, when the great wise man named Solomon is pinning this, he's referring to the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Well, we don't say that. The seed of the righteous, I am delivered. Even though I'm not in heaven. I'm already delivered. Yes. My name's there. How'd that happen? Well, because the righteousness of men put them in paradise. It did not put them in the pardoning of the Lord Jesus and the blood of Calvary. Does everybody see that? Yes, sir. Okay. So there is a continual... We won't go back for the sake of time, but in Psalm 36, what we find concerning that upright in heart, there is a continual dispensing of loving kindness and of righteousness to those who would abide or who would abide under the shadow of his rings, wings they would they would receive more loving kindness and more righteousness when they would abide under the shadow of his wings or keep the law or keep the statutes the ordinances be faithful be blameless Does everybody see the pattern concerning upright in heart now again, just for a reminder's sake, 2 Corinthians 5:21 says for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God literally made his son Jesus Christ didn't just become take your sin, he became your sin. I've heard that preached so wrong so many times. God took yes, he did take your sin, but listen to me. It goes deeper than that. He became your sin. He became every vile, wicked, abominable sin that has ever hit planet earth. He became all of it and paid the price for all of it. And that's why we don't believe that there's any, there's there's no impart, there's no sin that cannot be pardoned. Thank God for grace. That's why our righteousness don't amount to a hill of beans. Because we could never do what he done. All right? It's all His righteousness and things that are different are. Thank you. You cannot read everything we've just read about righteousness in the Old Testament and say that we can all be lumped together and our righteousness is the same. How can you How can you say that? And again, what you do, and these guys don't, I'm not saying they mean, mean to, but what they're doing is saying Jesus wasted His time. Yes, sir. Really? If you want to get down to where the rubber meets the road, if Abraham's righteousness is the same as mine, then Jesus died in vain. Because his righteousness was not made perfect. Y'all remember when we read about those, those just men and their spirits being made perfect? They had to be made perfect. When did that take place? That's right. Anybody else want to answer that? I want more than three of you to know. When were those just men, those righteous men in Abraham's bosom, when were they made perfect? Yes. During those three days, three nights where Jesus died. And guess what? When he got up from the grave, they came with him. He led captivity captive and they were seen among 500 men. And the Bible said they ascended together with the Father, up to the Father with Jesus Christ. Okay. So. Anyways, we got you got 7 minutes. Can you give me 7 minutes? I just want to look at a few verses concerning the heart of man in the New Testament. Go to Matthew chapter 15. Real quick. Quick as I know how. Matthew 15, look at verse 8. This is a clear contradiction of men and their righteousness in the Old Testament to this. Look at verse 8, Matthew fifteen eight. The Bible said, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Well, we just read, if you have done those things before, you upright in heart. Yeah. Does everybody see that? Now go to verse 18. The Bible said, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth From the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. What in the world has happened? We go from upright in heart. If you do good, live a good life, you're blameless, keep the law, what have you. Then you're upright in heart. And everything the Bible says about the New Testament, the heart is corrupted. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Why why are we defiled? Our heart. We have a wicked heart. It's not upright. It's wicked. All right? So, here's what you're going to find. And I'm running out of time. So, here's what you're going to find. I'm gonna we'll say this. Write these down if you're taking notes. We'll be done. Most, most, not all. I'm not lumping everybody together. There's some that that probably believe right, don't even know they believe right. But most who believe that salvation is the same throughout the entire Bible will fall in one of three categories. Okay. First, they will fall into the category of being labeled as grace followers, or they believe you can lose your salvation. If they believe salvation's the same from start to finish, here's what, they'll, here's what you'll get. Well, you've done this, I, there's no way you're saved. Because they go back and think that everybody's saved the same way, and they were saved, look, they done this, and that's how they were saved, but it's not the same. Okay? They'll believe you can either lose your salvation. Secondly, they will either take you to that cliff, or they'll take you to the Calvinism side. That's where they're going to take you. They're going to take you to hyper-Calvinism that everybody was in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's not true. That is not true. Everybody was not in Christ before the foundation of the world. These Old Testament saints were not in the body of Christ. Okay? And then thirdly, they teach or preach easy, easy believism or... The abuse, like I started tonight's lesson, people accuse us of this. The abuse of grace. In other words, there are some people that believe it's all the same, and they really take repentance out of the equation for for redemption. These are, and I listen. We've got tracks back there. I'm not against them, but these are your heavy, heavy track distributor just distributors. And they run into somebody at McDonald's and say, Hey, do you have five minutes to read this? And they'll read it and they'll say, Do you believe that? And they'll say, Yeah, I believe it. And they say, Well, if you would right now, all you gotta do is ask the Lord Jesus coming heart, forgive your sin, save you, and he'll do that. Would you would you pray that prayer? Or some say, Would you repeat this prayer? And then they get on Facebook and they had fifteen saved at the airport while they were waiting to fly to their next revival meeting. You're right. Now I'm not against tracks, so or I wouldn't have them back there. But we're not so out of sorts that we have eliminated repentance. Right. It takes repentance. It, it takes more than realization. Everybody understand the difference? Yes, sir. You can realize you're lost, but that don't mean you can be saved. Right. You have to be, according to the Bible, drawn right. to repentance. Yes, sir. Repentance is the key. Amen. You don't get redeemed. There is no redemption without repentance. Right. And so... A lot of these guys will end up either in Calvinism, that, well, God had them all hand-picked, hyper-Calvinism, in the body of Christ for the foundation of the world, Abraham, same as we are, all the same, blah, blah, it's all hold hands, smoke weed, and, you know, go watch the Jesus Revolution, and high-five in the parking lot, we're all going to heaven. You get that side, or you get the super, super, super easy believism side, or you get you-can-lose-your-salvation side. You're going to land in one of three areas... If you believe that this thing's the same throughout the whole entire Bible, because it's simply not. In order to make salvation the same in every dispensation, you have to turn a blind eye to what we have read and studied so far over the last three Wednesdays. All right. So we're going to look at salvation now. I'm going to tell you a few things that do share, and I'll be done. Two minutes, minute and a half, minute and ten seconds. I'm going to tell you two, two things right now that do have to, that that are in every dispensation. That that has you cannot eliminate what these two things it took for to be saved. It is the blood. Yeah. Now again, they didn't believe and accept the, the sacrifice like we did, but guess what? They had to place their faith in in Abraham's bosom. Ain't nobody. Why you say that? Because I want you to know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not go to heaven because of their self sanctification. Hello, I need a little help right there so that's, again, where everybody wants, well, it's all the same then. But you've got to understand something. It is the blood that takes away sin, but they did not get to that point the same way we get to that point. Therefore, things that are different are not the same. Not the same. It did take the blood and it did take faith for, for anybody. There's nobody in heaven that was not covered by the blood and did not place their faith in Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. So that may be a little helpful for some of y'all that may be nervous, all right? Any questions as far as I'm going tonight?